Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Okay, we continue on the show. University of Miami basketball team at home on Saturday against the Clemson Tigers, a 2 p.m. tip-off. Joining us right now, University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega, coming off a tough one against Virginia Tech, 80-78, to right down to the wire, Coach L. Had a shot to win it at the end. Heck of a ball game against the Hokies. You know, uh, Joe, with so many interesting factors going into the game, so you, you come up with a scouting report and a game plan based on the scouting and uh, one of the things that, that we emphasize to our players is how good a three-point shooter uh, th- their, their guards are, Naheem Aline and, and uh, uh, Jalen Cohn. So last night, uh, Elaine shot uh, one for two mm-hmm. from three, which we would take that every game. Right. And Jalen Cohn uh, was two for seven. So we take that every game. But what we didn't want is their starting five man and starting four man uh, to make uh, four for nine from three. So that that was that was tough. In fact, their their four man Justin Mutz had three threes made in seven games, and he had three more last night. So he had his best game of the season, uh, scoring 15 points when he's averaging five. So that they were very, very good at home, as they always are, and it was a, very much the same as last year. In fact, with uh, three minutes to go uh, last night, uh, we were down seven, and and um, last year at the same time we were down seven and came back and won in triple overtime. So it was one heck of a game. Isaiah Wong, who played played great last year, had career highs there in scoring and rebounding. Uh, he had the game winning three on his fingertips, and it just missed. It was a very good look. I like the shot. I'd love to have that for Isaiah anytime. 
and it, it just was a little bit long. They uh, and they made it because you talk about scouting reports. They made a concerted effort to make sure they knew where he was on the floor and then have help uh, whoever was defending him. And as you mentioned, I thought I watched that shot three times this afternoon, and I thought his little step back move was pretty creative to get some space. And you know, if you were to freeze frame it, you would think it was going to go right. You would think it was going to go in. Yeah, they, our statistics say that we're not a good three point shooting team. And they were really packing it in and preventing us from getting our driving layups like we normally do. We only were, we were eight for ten from the foul line, so eighty percent is terrific, but only ten free throws. We told the, the players before the game the team that shoots the most free throws are going to win. We got to keep them off the foul line, and we got to get to the foul line. But they packed it in very very well and ended up giving us some threes. The difference in last night's game is we made them. We were 10 for 24, uh, 10 for 25. We shot 40%, which I take that every night. And we had different guys make threes. Uh, Harlan Beverly made a couple. Isaiah made three. Uh, Elijah made one. Uh, Matt Cross made three. So we had a number of guys step up and make threes that we hadn't had in the previous games. But you have to remember, Joe, we're playing without our two best three-point shooters in Chris Likes and, and Cam Augusti. So our two leading scorers have been out. Chris Likes for the last four games, uh, Cam Augusti for the last three. So hopefully we're going to get those guys back soon. We certainly need them. Well, you read my mind because I was going to say, in your wildest dreams as you were putting this roster t- together, a year ago, you would never think you were going to play without basically four starters, uh, guys that started for, for you last year, four guys that started last year, and uh, you would never think that it would happen this year, especially as we uh, go into conference play, and then still be this competitive. Well, you know, there's so many things that run through my mind. At first, I, I felt so bad for Sam uh, Wardenberg. Uh he got hurt in October, had to have surgery. He's out for the season. Uh, he was our leading rebounder, leading shot blocker. And then in our last game, uh, Rodney, Rodney Miller uh, ended up on, on the ground, on the court, and ended up having surgery yesterday. He tore his, his medial collateral ligament. So that was our starting four and five last year and gave us a lot of front court experience now Instead, we're playing with Nasir Brooks, who's absolutely terrific, uh, but he's new to our program. And then the other two guys, like Matt Cross, is doing a great job, but he's still just a freshman. And we're struggling guarding, you know, some of those those four and five men. Oh, and then to lose Chris Likes and, and uh, Cam Augusti like we did last year midway through the season is just a killer. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple of uh, things that I really liked uh, what I saw last night. Uh, Nasir had 10.6 rebounds, but I saw him make a beautiful pass out of the double team. And then late in the game, Matt Cross, his pass, driving the lane, kicked it out to, to Harlan Beverly for the three. You had a couple of really nice plays inside out. Yeah, and we were trying to do that all game long. Uh, the way Virginia Tech defends, we call it elbows and blocks. 
Uh, Virginia calls it the packing defense, the pack, meaning you're going to pack the paint with bodies and try to keep teams from getting easy two-point baskets, reducing the number of paint touches. The paint is the three-second lane. And if you can reduce paint touches, you can reduce penetration, which normally means a team is going to have to make a lot of threes. And I thought 10 should have been enough, yeah. but we just didn't get to the foul line enough. And, and that, that to me was the whole story. You know, we were eight for 10 from the foul line, but they, they were uh, 13 for 21. They got there 21 times, twice as many as we did. This, uh, this kid, Aluma, where in the world did he, did he come from? He's a big body. He's a big kid and a much better player than I anticipated. He is very, very skilled. He can shoot the three. He can put the ball on the ground and create. He's terrific in around the basket. He's a heck of an offensive rebounder. Uh, he's an all-league player. There's no question in my mind about that. You were with them eyeball to eyeball. They took a little bit of a lead, got some separation. Was there one thing that you identified that you think got you back in the game that gave you the chance to win it at the end? Well, let me tell you first about how we ended up digging ourselves such a hole. The score was 30-30 in the first half, and there's four minutes left in the half. And we, we started turning the ball over, making some ill-advised passes. And it led to runouts, where what in football they call a pick six. That's what happened to us. And they end up with a nine-point lead at the half. And then the second half, it was kind of the same thing for the first three or four minutes. We had some ill-advised turnovers, and they got the lead up to 17. Then we made an adjustment in our offense, which our guys ended up really executing well. Uh, we, we uh, got some excellent looks for, for Matt Cross. Uh, we uh, had Isaiah Wong. We got him open a few times. And then Harlan Beverly was able to, to uh, make, make some things happen. Plus, our defense was much better. For a long stretch of the second half, we really were able to shut them down. Uh, but they're, you know, top 25 team. Right. They were ranked 24th coming into the game. Uh, they're one of the best teams in the – they're sitting on top of the ACC right now. Uh, they've had some great wins. Uh, they took down Villanova earlier in the year, so uh, they're playing with a lot of confidence, right? And uh, fans or no fans, that's not an easy trip to Virginia Tech. Uh, very interestingly, Joe, we had two buses, so we socially distanced. Uh, on the bus ride to the uh, airport, on the plane. We had a beautiful plane. It was probably the most comfortable plane that I've been on in a long time. And, uh, you know, for some of our guys, for Earl Timberlake, first first charter flight. Matt Cross, first charter flight. Elijah Olanigi, first charter flight. So new experiences for our guys. Uh, the pregame meal. It was you, you can pick up your dinner and take it back to your room. We didn't hang out like we normally do. Uh, we did have a very good, very productive team meeting. You would have enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, but but uh, you know, for a first road trip, we really put ourselves in position to win the game. Having the last shot 
on the fingertips of our leading scorer and the guy that I would have loved to have had that shot anytime during the game. He had a great look at it, and unfortunately, it just missed. If he made it, we win the game. Right. You walk off, you fly, you walk off, and you don't fly home. You soar home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, my wife said, uh, "Do you miss the road trip?" I said, "Yes, I miss the meeting. I miss the road trip." What was your message uh, in the meeting? <laughs> well, our, my, there were two things that we did at the meeting. Well, three things we did at the meeting. The first was I quizzed the players. It wasn't it wasn't guards versus bigs like it, it normally is because we. We didn't want to keep them too long. But I quizzed them on, on certain offensive situations, and they had to answer the questions, and they did, did a very good job with that. And then, then the, uh, the second thing was uh, Bill Courtney showed them the, the, the video of Virginia Tech and their offense and their defense. And then the last message to them it was – want to be sure everybody understands, you know, normally the aggressor wins. We need to be the aggressor tomorrow. And the way you know that is who shoots the most free throws. Mm-hmm. We got to be the team that shoots the most free throws. And unfortunately, they were. Okay, so we move forward now. And on Saturday, Clemson comes to town. They had a very impressive second half against Florida State. Clyde Trapp scores 15 for them. Uh, Nick Honor gets 13. They had three players in double figures. They beat Florida State in the second half, so an impressive win for Clemson. Uh, they come in with a lot of confidence, and they played well. What's going to be the challenge with Clemson? Well, right now, Clemson's defense is ranked second in the country. That's not in football. That's in basketball. <laughs> They're playing 10 or 11 guys and just keeping constant pressure on the opponent. They're forcing a lot of turnovers, which obviously last night cost us the game. 19 turnovers against the Virginia Tech team that packs the paint. What Clemson does is they pressure full court and they pack the paint at the half court. And he only plays guys for four or five minutes at the most at one time. So he keeps everybody well-rested. Unfortunately for us, we haven't even had 10 guys to practice. Mostly, like, like tomorrow, our trainers, as mentioned to me, he thinks that we need to give Harlan Beverly the day off. Uh, not, well, everybody took the day off today in terms of practice. No practice today. But he says Harlan Beverly needs to take the day off tomorrow because of his back uh, injury. And with that in mind, that means he'll have very little preparation uh, leading into Clemson. And if he's handling the ball against that kind of pressure, that is truly challenging. And we're not going to have Chris Likes. Hmm. No. So we're very shorthanded at the point guard position. We'll have to utilize Earl Timberlake. We'll have to utilize Isaiah Wong. And uh, hopefully those guys can step up with their ball handling ability. You had two great games against them last year beat them at their place, and then had a tough one at the ACC tournament. Amir Sims, a lot of people think he's turned out to be one of the stars in the league. Well, Amir Sims has sacrificed a lot of playing time and points. But he sacrificed so they can keep fresh bodies on the court and keep that pressure defense up. 
if they were to go through the season as the number two ranked defense in the country, they're going to be fighting for the ACC title. Now, they, they had a great win at home against uh, Florida State. They had a very tough road loss at Virginia Tech like we did. They had a neutral site win over Purdue. They beat Alabama. They, they have a very, very nice resume right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure they're going to come in here fired up. And our guys, first of all, we've got to be healthy. We've got to be focused. And we have to bring the effort. There's no substitute for effort. And they, I know Clemson will play as hard as they possibly can play. Uh, Brad Brownell, the head coach, and I have been battling for 20 years. Uh, he was the head coach at UNC Wilmington when I was the head coach at George Mason. So we know each other very, very well. And uh, he's going to have his team very well prepared. And I'm sure my coaches will do the same for us. Is this one of those first two uh, 60 or 65 wins? You know, probably. Probably because their defense is that intense and hopefully ours will be, we have our moments. Like one of the things I'm very proud of our guards, the way they're rebounding, you know, uh, Harlan Beverly had nine rebounds uh, last night. So if you look at our rebounding, we had 34 rebounds to, to uh, Virginia Tech's 28. We've been in the plus column, I think all but one game. So we, we need to do a great job on the backboards against them and limit them to one shot. The thing that's making them so tough is because their defense is so good. They get turnovers and they get stopped so often that they get a chance to run out and get a lot of fast break baskets before your defense even gets set. If we can set our defense, we can guard them. But if we if – we, turn the ball over like we did last night, then it's just going to make it too hard on our defense to get back and stop them regularly. Well, I know it was a long night for you, so uh, we'll let you go. I look forward to Saturday's game and the rest of the season. We're going to kick into the new year. And uh, to you, Coach, Happy New Year. To you, Mrs. L, Happy New Year and Healthy New Year as well. And uh, we'll uh, tip this thing off and start the new year, hopefully in a big way, on Saturday, January the 2nd against Clemson. All right, Joe. I'm looking forward to it. Always great talking to you. Happy New Year to you, your family, and all of our Hurricane fans. All right, Coach. Thanks. Good night. All right, that's our University of Miami head coach, Jim Laranega. When we come back, we'll talk uh, Hurricanes baseball. Uh, We'll get a little preview of what that's going to be like. Uh, First, let me talk to you about Williamson Cadillac. Had a lovely lunch today with Ed Williamson. And, of course, uh, Williamson Cadillac has been a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years. And Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here. Because Williamson is Miami. If you want a history lesson on Miami, Ed Williamson is your man. If you want to know about integrity and honesty, Ed Williamson is your man. If you want to know about setting a standard year in and year out and upholding a standard and the car business, that service and a sales standard and want to earn those standards, Ed Williamson and Williamson Cadillac, he's your man. You can experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer. 
With their award-winning lineup, you can make a statement in the unmistakable XT crossover. He asked me today, how do you like that XT4? I said, it's beautiful, Ed. It's smooth, it's quiet, it's roomy. I absolutely love it. It's engineered to stand out. He said, well, how about the CT sedan series? That's dedicated to performance. And then I asked him, I said, hey, how's that Cadillac Escalade doing? He said, can't keep them on the lot. The Cadillac Escalade. You can ride in the original Icon, the Cadillac Escalade. Check out their facility, easily located at US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway. Or you can view the entire lineup online at williamsoncadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click williamsoncadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Always a pleasure to speak with University of Miami baseball coach Gino Damari. We go from bowl season to baseball season, baseball season in a blink of an eye, Gino. How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, Joe. How are you doing? <laughs> well, like I said, we finished up the football season last night, and before I know it, it's going to be baseball season. Uh, yeah, nice recruiting class, right? And recruiting's always ongoing. Uh, let's, I guess, just start there. Where, how do you feel about the way things have gone for you the last couple of years in the recruiting world? Because in college baseball, recruiting's a bit of a different animal. It's the first getting committed and signed. And this year he had things with the draft cut. general what do you think maybe you don't even know yet but uh what what do you think the college baseball season is going to look like <laughs> you're right we don't know yet um we did just receive our uh schedule for the acc it's going to be a little different we normally okay. play college baseball season is uh consists of 14 weekends 14 weeks and um we normally play 10 weekend series of acc opponents which gives us 30 games this year, we're going to go up to 12 ACC series weekends, which will be 36 games. Um, the conference, for whatever reason, has cut our games from 56 to 50 games. So we are losing six games. But what's going to be interesting is playing out of conference. That's still uh, up in the air. I'm not sure what that's going to look like. I'm still waiting to hear from some of the other conferences that we do play um, and and they're waiting to hear from their conferences on whether or not, you know, how it's going to look. You know, we're hearing some conferences, once they start conference play, they're not allowed to play out of conference. Well, 
that's going to affect the schedule with some teams here, especially in the second half of the season when all these schools are in conference play. So I'm sure, as you've seen with other uh, sports and some games possibly could get canceled because of COVID, you could have teams, you know, um, deciding at the last minute maybe to play a different team so they can get their games in. I, I think we just got to be prepared for the unknown and be uh, understand it's going to be a little bit of a, you know, roller coaster ride, and we got to be able to handle it. Right. I think with uh, what we've seen in football and basketball is if you if you're flexible and you can adjust, you, you you've got a chance to get games in. It just might, might it just not might not be the exact opponent you think you were playing, but eventually we're getting we're going to get around to, to having games. That's a good word. I think flexible is 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 the key there, and, and I, I agree 100%. I think that's that's a big possibility that could happen. Uh, we like to have a normal schedule like we always have, but it's just not going to be that way. I mean, we, we, we haven't announced it, I guess, publicly, but I guess I will now. I mean, we're doing something we've never done. We're opening up with the Gators. You know, we <laughs> when they when they put the 12 weekends in for us, that's we only have two open weekends. Well, we wanted to play Florida. And uh, normally we play them the second or third week in the season. Well, we're already in ACC play. Uh, so now this year we're going to go on the road and open up at Florida uh, in their brand new uh, stadium. So I know uh, I'm excited about that. It's a great opportunity. I'm sure they're going to probably be preseason number one in all the polls. They already are in the one poll that's come out. And uh, they'll probably be one in all of them because they've got everybody back pitchers and hitters. So uh, great challenge and a great opportunity for our players. If you're gonna play, if you're gonna play 36 conference games, and I don't know if this is a fair comparison to what we went through in football and pretty much in you know an all conference schedule, and I thought it was actually I thought it was really good. The, the competition was so great every weekend. It, it just I think brings the best out of all the players. I agree. This will be by far the toughest schedule we've ever had. I mean, just like yeah. I just starting with Florida on the road. And then we go next weekend right into ACC competition. And basically we're playing every team in the ACC except one. Uh, they rotate one team out, and that, that's going to be Notre Dame for us this year. We won't play them during the regular season. But you're playing just about every weekend in conference. Obviously our out-of-conference, if we are to play our games out-of-conference, which I hope we are, um, you're playing in-state teams, you know, that are, you know, uh, schools here in Florida that are good in baseball. So the, the – the, uh, but you're right, the, the, I think – you better be ready to play every game because there's absolutely no doubt uh, the competition is going to be as good as it's ever been. You have, as you mentioned, familiar faces, guys that are good players. Uh, Terrell, Alex Terrell, Del Castillo, Raymond Gill uh, coming back, J.P. Gates, guys that we've seen, Anthony Villar. Uh, they must be really excited. I know I'm leaving some guys out, but they got to be excited yeah. since they didn't play a year ago. They are. You know, it's tough, uh, tough situation. Like I said, we had a team last year. We, we felt very confident that had a chance um, if we were to continue to hopefully improve, which I thought we, we, we would do, and we did certainly the year before. And, um, you know, we were ranked at one time shortly there at one in the country. But, I mean, we were in the top ten in all the polls. And, I mean, just 16 games into the season, I think we were 12-4, and four, and then it just uh, everything happened. And, Obviously, fortunate for our guys to get an extra year back. Those guys that you, some of those guys you mentioned, well, all the guys get an extra year back, but some of those guys would not be back. I mean, a guy like Terrell probably would have signed, uh, certainly if the draft was different and some of these other juniors that came back. 
So, um, yes, the guys, I think, feel like this unfinished what, um, some business that we, you know, we felt very strongly about last year that we got to hopefully can take care of this year. You know, we just had uh, Will Mowry on the show from football, and Don asked him a question about uh, what did he what did he respect the most about Manny Diaz this year, and he talked a little bit about the connection that Coach Diaz made with the players and uh, the fact that he was understanding during a you know a really hard year. And you're coming up on year three as the head coach, and one of the things that jumps out to me about you is your connection with your players and how much of a bond you have with your players. And I don't know if you get that from Coach Frazier or Coach Morris, but that's really important nowadays, isn't it? With the with the type of players and with all the things that are going on in college athletics, you gotta be able to have some be on the same wavelength with your with your players. Well I think one of the most important traits for me and certainly in my position is is uh is communication. You gotta be able to communicate with your players. I think it's very important <clears throat> that you got to be honest with players. Uh, no doubt with the COVID and everything going on. And uh, like you said, I think the word used for Manny was understanding with the players. You know, he was in a season. We, we were in fall practice dealing with some things with COVID. And certainly we had a lot of practices that weren't normal or, or you know, things that happened that we, you know, just out of our control. And, um, you know, <laughs> I got to tell you, probably in touch with my trainer more than I ever have. <laughs> I don't think there's a day that doesn't go by that I don't talk to our trainer. And um, so it's it's a lot of, but it, you're right. I mean, the, the relationship you have with your players. I mean, for me, you mentioned Frazier and Morris, and you know, I like to think I've probably taken a little bit from all these guys. And I played for a great high school coach and Rich Hoffman, and you know, they're all different, um, but all were guys that I looked up to and were inspired by, and. I think that's got to help as a player uh, certainly play for somebody that you feel like, you know, you have respect for and uh, you know that he has respect for you too as well. And it's kind of a two-way street. You know, I think the other thing that um, maybe is missing in this whole COVID thing when it comes to college athletics, uh, I don't know what the percentage would be, but I'm going to say it's in the 90s, probably very high 90s. There's only been one team that I know of that's opted out of a season so far. The players, the athletes, they want to play. They have aspirations. They want to play, whether it's basketball, football, or baseball. Most of them have big aspirations, and they want to play. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I, I, I've been impressed just watching. I, I take away from it when I watch these sports with no fans in the stadium. Yeah, right. But still the guys playing at the level they're playing. And really, to me, I just take away they're playing for the love of the game. That's why they should be playing. And it's why when you're a little kid and you play sports and you, you play – should be playing it because you love it and you enjoy it and even without the fans and that energy that the fans bring um these guys are doing it in all sports and i'm watching them all and i just i'm it's in, it's inspiring to me i love seeing it uh i think it's great for the athletes to show you know the, the public out there that these guys you know they're playing because they love and enjoy the game and you can see that um uh, when you're watching these games you have become a home run hitting team. At least you were the first year and whatever amount of games we got in last year. Uh, do you expect yep. that, that to continue? Yeah, it's probably uh, our strength uh, on the offensive side. We probably are more of a long ball team. Um, we do have some uh, new guys coming in that are, you know, we have some athletic guys, some guys that can run. I'd like to run a little bit more with the guys that we feel like can run. But uh, in general, you're right. I think um, 
you know, we were one of the top home run hitting teams in the country a couple of years ago. And I mean, Terrell leading the way, I mean, he had five home runs in just uh, 16 games, I guess, um, which was probably right up there in the country last year when we stopped playing. And of course you mentioned Del Castillo and Gill and Gabe Rivera. And we got some guys that can knock the ball out of the ballpark. And uh, that certainly, it helps to have that. What what are your expectations, you know? Baseball is going to be the sport that's had a year off, just about an entire year. You last played in March, right? So when you start, yes. you're going to have almost an entire year off. Baseball is not a sport where you want to take a year off. What what are your expectations going to be on in terms of the level of play and how much patience will you, yeah. will you have to have in terms of watching the play? Because it's not always – uh, it's not going to be easy, and, and baseball is a game, a mental game, and you, you know you start to end up with mental errors and physical errors. What, what, what are yeah. your expectations? Well, these are young kids. They're 18-, 19-year-old guys that, you know, they're going to make mistakes. And uh, But, no, I, Joe, I tell you, I expect college baseball to probably be as, uh, as talented as you've ever seen. And the reason for that is the fact that you had only five rounds. There are a lot more great players that showed up on campus, and we're a testament to that with our our incoming uh, recruiting class because of the draft and the fact that they didn't take as many kids. So college baseball is going to benefit from that. You know, we did have our fall. We were able to get fall practice in. Um, There's no reason why we shouldn't be, even though we did have that time off. We've had plenty of time to prepare for our season. Um, I guess the one thing I probably would say is, you know, the, the the lifting side of it, you know, especially with our rookies, normally our rookies would come in in summer school for a good five weeks and get on, you know, start working out in our weight room and conditioning. And uh, we didn't get that this, this summer. And we also were delayed when we started school by about three, four weeks um, just because of the COVID and what we were allowed and not allowed to do. So we didn't get in the weight room there for, for ooh, a couple of months for the rookies. And so that to me is the one thing I probably take away that they're probably a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of strength. Um, some of these, especially the high school kids coming in, some of these younger guys. Um, but, but I will tell you, college baseball is, is going to be as good as it's ever been just because of the talent that showed up on campus. Baseball uh, pitching over the last, I don't know, five, ten years, maybe a little bit less, has made a move to flamethrowers, guys that can throw hard. And you have some lively arms on your staff, right? We do. I um, we got a kid that's, um, you know, Alejandro Rosario's an incoming freshman. I went to a high school game last year where I can't tell you how many times he hit 99 on my gun. Um, and he was close to it this fall. He, he, he hit 98 quite a few times. Uh, Victor Medeiros is also another incoming freshman that throws hard in the mid-90s. And we've got guys like, you know, McFarland and um, – I'm probably leaving out Jake Smith is a guy who throws hard. Yes, I mean, and again, that could be another thing, too. You're going to see some great arms in college baseball, which may, may not, um, we'll see, but it may bring down, you know, the offense might see a little decrease possibly in runs scored. I don't know. Strikeouts might be up because you do have some hard-throwing guys that showed up uh, on campus this year. And, uh, yeah, we, we have a number of them that can that – can, Certainly, velocity is very, very high. But most important thing we need to make sure these guys do is pitch and get people out. I don't care about throwing 99 and get people out. That's going to be the bottom line. Those are the guys are going to pitch first, and the guys can get people out. I think every baseball manager wakes up every day and he writes, writes a, a lineup card out. Uh, do you have an idea in your head what you want your pitching staff to look like, or is that something to be determined in January? 
Yeah, it's it's kind of wide open. I mean, we have more probably guys uh, fighting for the four road spots in the rotation than we ever have. We got eight eight guys really battling for those four spots. Um, so uh, I I don't know. I you know again with our rotation all being gone from last year, um, that's going to be the to me the biggest key of the team is guys stepping up and proving themselves to be the guys that we need to pitch on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and midweek if needed. So um, I don't, that's something that JD and I will ha- have to make a decision on. I mean, we came out of the fall again, we have ideas, but it's eight guys battling for four spots. And um, these, these inner squads early when we come back in January are going to be, um, you know, very, very important uh, for these guys. Del Castillo has one of the sweetest swings I've ever seen. So hopefully that stays the same here over the last year. But where can he improve, and how about him behind the plate? How much uh, did you like him behind the plate last year in terms of handling pitchers and those sorts of things? Yeah, so obviously he can improve in all kinds of areas. I mean, even the offensive side, um, I thought Mandel is, I think, arguably one of the better hitters we've ever had at Miami. He's just a pure hitter, like you said. But, you know, I think he, I thought he got probably – you know, we were struggling a little bit last year scoring runs, and I think he tried to do too too much as a hitter and a lot of times got himself out, especially early in counts and being over-aggressive and swinging out of the zone. That's not really him, but I, I kind of lean to think that that's possibly because we were struggling. He was just trying to do too much. But um, defensively, um, you know, he's he's improved in all phases. His arm's gotten a little stronger from last year. Uh, his receiving has gotten better, his blocking. You know, Coach Lopez is our catching guy, also our recruiting coordinator, does a heck of a job in both areas. Uh, but he's done a great job with Dell and all our catchers. And so uh, he's improved quite a bit. I mean, you know, if you go by a lot of the uh, early talk with the, the scouts and all the publications, he's, he's, I don't see him anywhere below 10 in the top 10 prospects in the country. Some are having, you know, even top five prospects in the country. So, um him on the we all know his strength is hitting but the catching side too which is which is extremely important for us so we feel great about Dell and how he's improved and he's a great kid he works hard he's one of those guys that's gonna uh, likes to be coached and likes to be pushed so those are usually guys are going to end up being very successful man alive I can't wait for us to get back to those Friday nights and Saturday nights at uh, Alex Rodriguez Park at Mark Light Field. It's the the gem of Coral Gables, and if, uh, if a community could ever use a lift, that's the place to get it. And hopefully uh, at some point in the spring we'll be able to get back to it. That would be just awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like an eternity ago when we, we you know, that March when we got uh, told that we weren't going to play anymore. So we, we obviously are very excited to get back on the field and uh, – and I appreciate, you know, everything you do for us, Joe, and uh, certainly look forward to seeing you, seeing you this season. How, how are the holidays with all those girls in your house? Well, it's quiet. They're not here right now, but it was a great Christmas at the Damari house. Yes, we had a great Christmas. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, each year we seem to say this is the best Christmas ever, and this one uh, we were saying that this year, so that's always a good thing. <laughs> All right. Well, always, uh, always great to talk with you, and uh, look forward to seeing you. Uh, happy holidays, happy new year. Hope twenty twenty one brings us lots of uh, fun and lots of health, and uh, look forward to seeing you in January. Same here, and same to you, Joe. Thank you very much.
Okay, that's University of Miami head baseball coach Gino Damari. Man, alive! You just close your eyes, you can hear walk them, walk them. You can you can smell the milkshakes if you just close your eyes. Where uh, if we could just get back to that, wouldn't that be uh, a great accomplishment uh, for everybody? So uh, hopefully in 2021 we get back to, to those sorts of things in University of Miami baseball, which has been such a big part of this community for so many years. We'll come back and wrap things up right after this. No. and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM driven by Williamson Cadillac for value style and performance visit Miami's premier luxury dealership click williamsoncadillac.com now here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes Joe Zagacki okay our last our last hotline show of 2020 I told my wife at midnight uh, New Year's Eve, I'm taking a bottle of champagne out into our backyard, which is an acre. I'm shaking it up. I'm popping the cork, and I'm just going to watch it spray everywhere so that we can all be done with 2020. It'll be my view of uh, washing my hands of 2020. Onward we go to 2021 to uh, more pleasant things, we hope. We'll cross our fingers and hope we, uh, in the next uh, year, we return to normalcy. We thank everybody for joining us this year on the Hurricane Hotline and for all the football games. We've got a lot more coming up. Our first show of 2021 will be next Tuesday night. We'll come to you from the Wasco Center right before Miami tips off against North Carolina. That will be our first show of 2021. On Saturday, we will join you from the Watsco Center at 2 o'clock for Miami, uh, actually 1.30 for Miami and Clemson basketball with a 2 o'clock tip-off. We thank everybody for joining us during 2020. We hope you'll be with us during 2021. We wish you all a happy and healthy new year, and thanks for being with us, and we'll talk to you on Saturday. And once again, happy new year, everyone. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.